ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of That's Entertainment. Joining me again this week is Alex Duwehi. Alex, welcome back. Thanks, Nathan. Good to be here. Is it good to be here? It's always good to be here. Are you, are you excited? I am pretty excited. Now, dear listener, you can't see this, but Alex has his sunglasses on right now. This this on is very head. this Come is on. a very bright room, <laughs> but uh, no, good to have you back, Alex. Thanks. This is our twenty sixth episode. Well, this is my twenty sixth episode uh, of the podcast thing. So we're half a year old now. So getting close to that, you know, first year episode halfway there. Are you going to gradually change your name? Uh, every year, like instead of that's entertaining, after year one it'll be that's so entertaining, and then year two, like you just, you know, very entertaining, extremely entertaining until it just gets ridiculous. That's what I think you should do. Well, I think, you know, that the 10 year plan is to finally just be entertaining. Oh, just originally, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there. Uh, we'll, we'll take some suggestions. If you have suggestions on our naming convention, please tweet us at entertainingpod. So, this week, Alex. What you been up to? Well, you know what I'm going to talk about, right? Destiny. We've got to talk oh, about Destiny. I was going to guess a frog. A frog. Well, it's not as entertaining as Destiny. But actually, Destiny, there was a, a big leak this week where they announced the uh, new expansion pack. Um, it's coming out September 15th. It's going to be called The Taken King. So just a few side notes about that. It's the king gonna, is going to be taken. The king is going to be taken. And the king that they're referring to, if you play the games, is going to be one of the hive kings. You defeated his son in the last raid. Now the raid is going to focus on Crota himself. So that's going to be pretty exciting for those of you that like the, the storyline, like you, Nathan. A mm-hmm. little bit of a storyline there. But uh, it's going to add uh, open up a, one more subclass for each um, class. So would you say they're gonna make it gonna be given a particular set of skills? Very special skills, <laughs> yes. Skills that we've acquired over a long career. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but that's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be something new for players to try out. Um, it's gonna be new supers as well. Electrical storm for warlocks, flame hammers for titans, and gravity bows for hunters. And that's gonna be one of the three elemental damages that they're each missing right now so it's going to kind of complete the characters um, but i think the biggest thing that i'm excited about is that the price tag is only going to be forty dollars and i was expecting a sixty dollar price tag so forty dollars i'm going to say another twenty for the two expansion packs on that title destiny um, that's sixty for the whole package and that's that's pretty exciting for for fans so this isn't this is really Destiny 2, kind of, right? In a way. it It's going to be like if you ever played World of Warcraft back in the day. It's World of Warcraft. This is Burning Crusade that's coming out. You're still going to need the base Destiny CD, or for you, digital copy. <laughs> uh, but you'll still need that, and this is just going to build on top of it. Um, you know, the, the core of the game is still going to be based off that first disc. So Okay. So, 40 bucks for that, and when's it come out? September 15th. This September? This September. So, this was a leak you said. It's probably, that's probably going to be their E3 announcement, is that it's going to come out So, September. really, we can expect it by Christmas, let's say. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, September 15th, it, it was a pretty set date, and that was leaked from a couple different sources. So, I think that's the date that they're shooting for. It's not official yet, though. But uh, it's pretty exciting, something to give 
Destiny fans like myself something to look forward to at the end of the summer. Um, and that's that's my take on Destiny for this week. I'm sure I'll have more next week, as always. We need to get a bumper for this. I, Alex's Destiny Corner or something. I, I, I didn't want to. I really, I told you before this, I didn't really want to talk about Destiny again. <laughs> but you said, go ahead, tell them about the new expansion. Like, I feel like I'm going to have to end up getting my own podcast that just talks about Destiny. But uh, I, that's not all I do, I promise. I really do other things. Like, I'm actually really excited because Elder Scrolls Online is out now. I want to try it. Uh, Nathan, you told me that they had some issues on release. What was that? I mean, any, any MMO that comes out, it's all server-based, right? Or any big server-intensive game. You're, you're in IT. You know that everybody hits the server load. You can test as much as you want. You can put as much traffic through it. But when you actually have real-world tests or real-world traffic hitting that server, you're going to have problems. Um, but as far as I know, it's up and running now. Okay. So, I mean... Hopefully, you know, if you took that day off and you were going to play it, like any big multiplayer game, you're going to have issues like that. So, uh, Is there some post-traumatic stress disorder from the Master Chief Collection? No. No, so. okay. Because, right. I mean, this is a completely different audience for that, you yes. know. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and you said that you're wanting to get into it and everything, and maybe one day, if you get into it and you say it's good, maybe if it goes on sale, maybe I'll grab it we'll join. I mean, it's a game that I'm going to try before I buy but um, I enjoyed some of the previous Elder Scroll games. Morrowind was good. Oblivion was pretty good. I mean, they're all pretty decent. They're entertaining, but the MMO aspect of it is is pretty exciting. Can Can you explain try before you buy? Because I always buy stuff. Sometimes I don't even play it. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping to rent it. I'm hoping to rent it or maybe game fly it um, just to, to see if I like the, the gameplay on console. Um, I know that Elder Scrolls Online has been out for PC for quite some time, and I remember playing the beta when it came out, and it, it might just be because I'm not a PC gamer, but I didn't really care for the controls part of it. So if I if I try the console version and I like the controls, I can get into the game a little bit. It's something that it's going to give me that, you know how we have the rule, if you buy a game, you got to get at least a dollar per hour of you know how much money you spend on it. If you don't get that back, then it's not worth buying, so... I gotta sit down and determine if this is gonna be a, a something that I can get at least sixty dollars or sixty hours mm-hmm. out of to spend the sixty dollars for, and if I can do that, then I'll buy it. But I gotta try it first because, well, you know how many games I bought and they're just sitting there <laughs> collecting dust. Uh huh. So y- you like using the controller? Yes, that, I love. That's that's the, what you were looking forward to playing it because it has a controller, right? I'm a console gamer. Right. I sit at a computer all day. I don't want to go home and sit at another computer and mm-hmm. you know up with the mouse. And I, I like to kick back in a nice comfy seat, crack open a, a drink, and just relax. You know, that's what gaming is to me. So a little bit of breaking news for you. Oh. You may not know this yet. I don't think uh, I do. We're recording this on Thursday during our lunch period again on Thursday, and right now, or maybe just ended, the Oculus. E3 press conference is happening or has happened. Oculus is partnering with Microsoft. Microsoft is shipping a controller for the PC with every Oculus that's coming out. So that way you'll be able to use the controller on your PC with Oculus. For any PC game that is Oculus enabled? Oculus supported or whatever, yeah. So using the controller, which I think is probably the best controller, is the Xbox One controller. Mm -hmm. Um, Being able to use that controller with Oculus makes sense to me. Still not really bought into it, but they also mentioned in this briefing that with Windows 10, when that comes out, they're going to have the ability to stream games from your Xbox to your PC. So you'll be able to stream like Halo or Forza or something like that. 
And those are a couple of games that are supported with the Oculus View. So playing Halo with Oculus or playing Forza with Oculus sounds kind of interesting. I want to try it. Again, I wish I could try before I buy on that. Yeah. But I don't want to put someone else's mangy face germs on mine to go to a Best Buy or something and try it. But uh, I wouldn't mind checking it out. The price point is right, which considering a controller for the PC with the adapter costs, uh, I think they said 70 or somewhere around there when that comes out later this year. Okay. With the Oculus, 250 would be pr- probably the, the right price point for me. Um, I doubt it'll be that. Probably 300 is what they're going to ship at. At least but, initially. Yeah. I mean, if I see a, like a sale or something, maybe I'll go for it then. So I think that'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. That's very exciting. So obviously with streaming it, it's you're still going to be limited to what you can actually do on the console. It's not mm-hmm. going to be pretty much, it's not going to be any different. But if you already have a PC game on your PC, mm-hmm. you're going to be able to use that Oculus supported as long as it's supported, yeah. And how will that function? So, so it's still a PC game. So mm-hmm. your graphics can improve based on what based hardware, on hardware you have, mm-hmm. and you can also mod games. Mm-hmm. That's pretty exciting. So it'll be interesting to see what they can come up with with this, and that makes Oculus a little more appealing to me because of the controller support, right? Mm-hmm. Because I wouldn't want to try to figure out how to control it with a keyboard while I can't really even look down and see the, the reference pieces. But yeah, I think it'll be. Interesting to see what it goes in. They had this little demo. They were playing some uh, an Eve Online uh, space combat game as what, the Oculus demo. Looked okay. Pretty good. So, and a little bit of breaking news. What's the uh, What's the time frame for that? Do we know? I don't know. Probably in the next year at earliest. Okay. Um, the PC gaming, uh, the Xbox One controller that comes with the adapter okay. comes out this fall. Okay. Um, and that's another little bit of news. I, we don't cover news anymore, but uh, for you, Xbox One is having a new controller coming out. Really? So it's it's a redesigned controller with a little bit of refinements to the, the bumper buttons, as well as a 3.5 millimeter headset jack in the uh, bottom of it. That's so good. So that we can put a headset in and listen to your game content. That's very good. Yeah. I like that a lot. So... You had to have an adapter before now to do that, which is the Xbox stereo headset adapter. 30 bucks. Yeah, 30 bucks, something like that. I so, have one. Yeah, I do too. But now it's going to be built into the controller. Some can say they're finally playing catch-up to the other ones because the Wii U has that yep. uh, and the PS4 has that. But, you know, it's, it's nice to, to have that ability now built in. And I agree, it should have been in the beginning too. But the controller is good as it is anyway. Like, I prefer that controller to any of the other controllers out right now. It so. was definitely weird because we played 360, well, I did for almost a decade. So going from that controller to the new one, was I was a little iffy about it. But after I spent some time with it, I can't stand the 360 controller anymore. Mm-hmm. I love the way that the Xbox One controller is designed. With the exception of those bumper buttons, they seem a little out of the way when you go to press them. So maybe they're going to integrate them a little bit better. And then, of course, the, the headphone jack. I mean, we've all had issues with that. We've had to spend an extra 30 bucks to get the adapter, so... Mm-hmm. I got the uh, the seventy dollar or eighty dollar headset stereo headset one with that. Of but. course you did. <sighs> you know. Oh yeah, but that's good. So that was a little bit of breaking news, and I uh, wanted to cover that because it's timely, and our listeners may enjoy hearing that. Um, so for me, well, let me ask you, because you ask me every week, or right? I want to, if I'm going to be on the show, I want to. Okay, you ready? Uh huh. Nathan. Yes. 
what you've been entertained by. Ooh, I don't know. Um, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> uh, I So, I mentioned this last week, how there is a free Xbox One game with ga- games with gold called Massive Chalice. Started playing that and actually got into it. I guess people are, people are describing it as XCOM meets Game of Thrones in a silly way. So, I don't really... The Game of Thrones aspect is not really anything to do with the game. You're just... You're managing bloodlines, like arranging like regencies and marriages to hopefully get strong bloodlines, and that's going over a period of three hundred years, and you have these battles that come on for, to fight off this corruption. Uh, every few years, there's one that comes up. You have to send your heroes to go get it, which are from these bloodlines. So you want strong bloodlines again, and it's it's a fun game. I I felt the need to beat it. So I That's find good. It, it sucks you in, right? Yeah, That's and, the point. And the crazy thing is, it sucked me away from The Witcher Three, which is amazing. I mean, it's it's a really good game. So for it to do that, that's something. And I wouldn't have checked it out except for it was free, and it's a Double Fine game, which Double Fine puts out a lot of good content. So I do recommend if you will go in playing it, use the silly names option because it just makes things all the much better because <laughs> it. The the names just they're they're fun, Uga Booga dies or something like that. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> so, uh, it's a free game. People say, is it worth my time? Yeah, I think so. I I took me fifteen, maybe fifteen hours, maybe ten. I can't remember. I don't even know. Did you get your dollar per hour worth out of it? Absolutely, I did. I think I have as well, and I haven't played it yet. <laughs> have you at least downloaded it yet? I have downloaded it yet. Yep, I've got the license unlocked, so. Well, there you go. So it's at least yours. It's on your Xbox. It's there. And then you can turn it on and let me know how much of a fool I am for liking the game because you think it's a piece of junk. So other than that, I've been playing a little bit of The Witcher. I haven't had time to put much time into it, but I'm up to 45 hours now on my Witcher playing time. Uh, one of our coworkers just beat The Witcher, 65-some uh, hours, he said. So, you know, it's so people are already beating it, beating it, saying it was a great storyline, really good. I'm looking forward to completing it when I get there. So, what's the end game? What's the end game for The Witcher? You beat it, and do you wait for game content, more game content to be released, or you said that you go around and you do contracts, and it, it's kind of like a so roaming. Yeah, you've, it's a free roam game, so you can go around the world and play. There's a Gwent card game that you can always play. Uh, there will be never-ending enemy spawns that you can go fight big enemies. Uh, you can do... There's going to be in-game content that comes out with more missions, more stuff to do that has 15, 20 hours. Uh, and weekly, for the next, I think, eight weeks or so, they're going to have more content that's given to you for free as well. So I I think that it's it's really cool that they're giving out that free content, keeping you with it, play the game... Good storyboard content, honestly. So, I like it. Okay. So, I I'll give know. it a shot. I got nothing to lose except for time. Except for time. And and that's for The Witcher. Okay, I know. Okay. Yeah. You said you got nothing to lose. No. You, you don't own The Witcher, I, so. Well, I rented it, though, and I, I still have it. How do you still have Did you rent it from Redbox? No, uh, family video. So, seven days. Okay. But you haven't. You've played like once. I played. A, I played a little bit of it. How much have you played? Not that much, Nathan. 
<laughs> I've played enough. It, you said that I'm still in the tutorial area. Right now I'm fighting oh, okay. off the Griffin. Yeah. So I'm still very much in the B game. But i got to say, the, the mechanics of the, the combat are just brilliant. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, I'd be very happy if that's how Elder Scrolls Online functioned. Yeah. So... Uh, I know you said you're not really much of a PC gamer either. I'm not really either, but well, I'm maybe aware. Maybe with this Oculus thing. I'm aware of the benefits of being a PC gamer, such mm-hmm. as pricing on games. And right now, the Steam sale is going on too for the next ten days. Uh, it's, it's the 11th through the 21st. Okay. So, a lot of good stuff. Check that daily, dear listener. If you want to save some money on gaming, check out the Steam sale. Other than that, those are the only games I've really been playing. I did watch... I, I've i heard good things about the show called The 100. Have you heard about that show? I have not. It's a CW TV show. Uh, it's about these 100 people that are... It's like 100 years or 92 years after a nuclear you know, holocaust, for the lack of a better term, destroys the world. There were people up in space, and they all got together and eventually got a population growing at this like space station outside and then there are these hundred people that were actually criminals but like under the age of 18 that were sent down to the earth and so in the first episode these kids are sent down and they're wanting to see if earth is habitable so people other people can come down um the first episode didn't really pull me in i want to go and watch a couple more just to see how how it is but uh it's on netflix i believe and hulu so you can check out uh, the 100 there, but I've heard a lot of good stuff, a lot of good things about it, and I CW is actually doing a pretty decent job with a lot of their shows right now, like you know Arrow and um, The Flash. So I heard this one was a cool sci-fi show. Give it a shot. Sounds very much like Battlestar Galactica in some ways. In some ways, yeah. Uh, Battlestar Galactica, I loved that. That was really good. Amazing. You know, the Cylons attack, and then you got these remnants that are all just traveling the galaxy to finding a new home. That sounds a little bit similar, but, you know, they're going back to try to rehab it, the Earth. It's not as sci-fi. Yeah. More or less. Yeah, I mean, it's still sci-fi, definitely. But it's it's not as sci-fi as a Battlestar Galactica, like yeah. with Cylons right, and robots exactly. and stuff like that. So it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, like I said, I want to give it a couple more. Yeah, sure. A couple more. That and Sense8, that's been on my list, too. Have you heard anything about that? I saw a trailer for it, or like a, a preview right. for it. It looks interesting, but again, I'm. the buzz on it is okay, but people are always asking that question. It's like, is it any good? So I want to check it out, but... Right, I need to know these things so I don't waste my time. Exactly. I so, mean, you got to play Destiny. I mean, it's either play Destiny or watch Sensei. Or what you could do is you could snap Netflix into your Xbox and have Sensei going while you're playing Destiny. I think you just gave me, like, the best idea of all time. <laughs> so, that's what I've been up to. But I also have been playing uh, the Portal Pinball. I think I've talked about that before. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to give a little, quick little review on that, if you don't mind. Have you played Portal? Yes. The cake is a lie. The cake is a lie. So, you're familiar with GLaDOS and the testing and the chambers and all yes. that stuff. So, they've done a really good job encapsulating that into a pinball table. Are you familiar with the pinball FX uh Zen yep. Studios, the, yep. their games. So they have, like, the Star Wars tables, which I got all those, and I was playing those, and I thought, oh, this is really cool. Uh, so I was able to check out the Portal pinball table, which is has Stephen Merchant voicing Wheatley from nice. Portal 2. 
Uh, it has the same person that voices GLaDOS. Forgive me for not knowing her name off the top of my head, but she's amazing. Just said her name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it has Shell on there, who's a silent person, but she's on on there. And the, there's the turrets and the, the companion cubes. All the reminders of Portal are there. So you're able to play through that and listen to the testing music and all the different chambers, have to work your way through getting past sentry guns on different scenes or stages on the portal pinball table it's really cool that sounds like a lot of fun yeah so if you have the portal or the pinball fx game you just you know get it as a downloadable content i think it's like three bucks mm-hmm. uh or so it's on xbox and playstation and ios and all those other stuff it's really cool i would recommend it i think i actually have the highest pinball score of all the tables on the Portal pinball table. Oh, boy. 18 million is my oh score. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, and that's saying something because all the other tables that I own are the Star Wars tables. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of really clicked with this table. It's pretty cool. And plus, I use the bumpers when I'm doing the, the thing. Those are the best buttons for me to use. Because mm-hmm. I know, like we were talking about, having the new control has refinements to the bumpers. Yeah. So I'm wondering if it has any bearing on anything for playing the pinball games. But I definitely think that... If you're a fan of Portal, GLaDOS, Defense Grid with the GLaDOS DLC, you'll you'll enjoy what we, what you see with the Portal pinball table. So I, I don't want to give anything a number recommendation kind of level. I would just say, like, skip, buy, or rent. And I would say this is a buy. It's cheap. It's three bucks. Three bucks, yeah. So, or maybe five. How do you most. rent a game for three bucks? What would they charge? Like a quarter? Well... <laughs> That would be a, this would be a <laughs> this would be a hard game to really rent because it's a download only game. Yeah. But, but I would say that this is a buy. You know, on Windows phones for their app store, I used to have one a while ago. They used to have on every application that was a purchased application, there was a try button next to the buy button. Mm-hmm. They need the same thing on Xbox Marketplace. You know, they're getting a lot of that now. They the should, yeah. the DLC, no. But well, like the full games, well, yeah, they but, have a lot of those trials now. Right, a portion of the game just to see if you're going to like it or not before you buy it. I, I think it's a necessity nowadays. Mm-hmm. People want to know. There's so many different games out there. People want to know that what they're going to put their time into. There's two games not that waste. I regret buying that I wish I would have had that. The two that you sold me that I regret buying? No, because oh, okay. I bought those digitally. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, the first one is Sunset Overdrive, mm. which... I need to go back and give it more time, but I only played it for maybe an hour, an hour and a half. I just, it, I wasn't feeling it, and I haven't gone back to it. And I have the season pass for it because I bought the season pass with it when it came out. So I feel like I need to go back and play this thing. You're financially obligated now. I know. I'm in. <laughs> so I'm not getting rid of the disc because I need to go play the DLC that I bought. So, yeah. But anyway, I don't really like the mechanics for that game. Uh, and that's the biggest issue is because you have to be grinding around on these wires and stuff to really make your person able to do the stuff that you need to do. I'm more of a running around on the street kind of person, but if you do that in this game, it doesn't work well. So, yeah, that, yeah. So if you had the option to try that game mm-hmm. before you bought it, mm-hmm. let's say you would have, most people would before they buy, you would have been able to figure out that you don't like the mechanics and you probably wouldn't have bought that game Definitely. right yep i may have bought it at a cheaper price point but i paid the full 60 when it came out yeah plus the the season pass so yeah, yeah. i would not have had i done the try before i buy which you could have done they had that game for 48 hours you could play the whole thing at one point uh they still have a try before you buy for it right now so yeah that was one game that i wouldn't really 
have bought, but it got high reviews from anybody that reviewed it. So I was, I figured it'd be like, oh yeah, this is right up my alley, but I just didn't like it. Hmm. The other game was uh, The Escapists. Paid 20 bucks for that DLC game, 8-bit game, trying to figure out how to get out of jail. I don't know, I just didn't didn't care for it. I, I never got past the first level of getting out of the first jail, so... Unless you figured out why it was $20, Yeah, right? pretty much. So, <laughs> but like like you said, that, that dollar amount for, you know, the making sure that it's actually what you get your value out of, mm-hmm. I've probably put in the amount of value for... Um, the Escapists, honestly. Okay. But definitely not for Sunset Overdrive. Yeah. Because I played The Escapist probably maybe 10 hours, maybe 15. So you're getting there. Yeah, but it's just, it, it wasn't fun. It was more tedious to me than anything else. But, so that's that. Um, and I know we're, so like I said, we're recording this on Thursday. We're going to be discussing Jurassic World uh, at the second half of this podcast. Because tonight we're going to go see Jurassic World, IMAX 3D, good stuff. So, but before we do that, there's, this is Thursday, June 11th. Woke up this morning with the sad news that Christopher Lee had passed. Now, Christopher Lee, he lived a, a great full, long life. I think he was 93 when he died this morning. But when I think of him and the characters he's portrayed, he's he's touched all the big franchises. He's done a lot of... He's done Star Wars. He was Count Dooku. Uh, he's done Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, was he Saruman? Was yep, that who it was? Saruman, yep. And then he's done the ba- the Bond movies. He was one of the best villains, I think, uh, as the man with the golden gun, Scaramanga. So, he and he had many different films that he did classically. He was a British uh, BAFTA winner. He was a knight. He was knighted for his contributions for charity and drama. He was uh, also, more recently, putting out, like, rock operatic music. It was crazy, but, I mean, he was doing the singing and stuff in it. It was like this hard death metal operatic rock, and he was singing. Uh, And so it was was good to see that he, and he had a quote that said, acting takes great imagination. Luckily, I have a great imagination. So it was something along those lines. It's... It's sad to see him go, but he had such a body of work. Uh, he'll have films that live on and give the test of time. Honestly, they already have with like the Bond movies. He did the classic monster movies. He was like Frankenstein and the Mummy and all these things. Dracula, he was known for that really well. But he's had all these roles, I think over 600 roles or so in his lifetime, I think. That may be a wrong number. But all these roles... he. He was really, really beloved in the film community, well-respected, worked with many, many of the greats. He himself, obviously a great, and I think that he'll be missed, definitely. Um, my favorite role for him that whenever I think of Christopher Lee, yeah, I think of Count Dooku. Not my favorite role, though. My favorite role of him was definitely Scaramanga in the James Bond movie because he was perfect in that movie. He was the greatest foil, I think, that Bond's had, you know, Definitely in the top five of the Bond villains, if not top three. But what about you? Do you have any memories of Christopher Lee's movies, film portrayals? Yeah, most of it. I mean, I'm looking through his filmography right now, and a lot of stuff I haven't seen him in. I mean, it's unbelievable how much stuff he actually did. Um, yeah, and every, everybody that I've ever heard from that has seen him or, you know, like you, when you read people talk about the people that they work with, 
when they do these uh, shows and, and films and stuff like that. Everybody has nothing but good things to say about Christopher Lee. Um, obviously, I'll remember him for, you know, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, um, you know, Dracula. But, um, yeah, he was just a great actor. I always loved watching him. Um, and it, it was sad to see him go, like you said, but at the same time, it's like, it's good to see somebody like that live a full, long life, have a great career, and just go peacefully. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, he he leaves behind a big body work, a legacy. Yep. And definitely, he didn't he didn't overstay his welcome or anything like that in the film career industry because he found roles that worked with him for his age and everything. It was appropriate. Like I could listen to him read a, an audiobook. He had the best voice. He did. He had a yep. really good voice, just to the deep gravitas. It was really, really cool. Especially, I, I liked it when he voiced, I think he voiced um, Count Dooku in the uh, Clone Wars movie, the original representation in the movie. In the TV series, he didn't voice Dooku, but in that movie, I believe he did. And he did a really good job voicing that character. And you are correct, he did. So... And just his representation of Count Dooku, obviously he was he was older at the time. He couldn't do a lot of the swordplay, but he was still he was still able to do some of it. Mm-hmm. But his presence really was yeah. was where it was. So he will be missed. And I think that if you haven't, if you don't know who Christopher Lee is, watch one of his movies. Watch. I would recommend watching The Man with the Golden Gun, uh, or you know one of the the Lord of the Rings movies that he was a big part in. I think The Two Towers is probably his his biggest role in that. Uh, and then Episode 2 would be his biggest Star Wars role. So watch one of those three movies. I would say The Man with the Golden Gun for That's sure. That's what I'm going to do this weekend. That's what I'm watching. To Man commemorate, with the Yep, to commemorate Christopher Lee. Yeah. So I recommend that. But for this segment, for this section, uh, this day, we should say, of our podcasting, we're going to cut it now and we'll do... The Jurassic World, when we return with our entertaining thoughts. So, The Lost World, Jurassic Park. No, I'm just kidding. Jurassic World, the better of the worlds in the Jurassic series. Let's discuss that, but before we do... This is a new day. It's a new dawn. And as such, we have a new guest. Allow me to introduce Mr. Jamie Swingler. Jamie, thank you for joining us this week. Hello, Nathan. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, if for those of you who don't know, Jamie is also an enthusiast who sees a lot of movies on the night they open. I've run into him before, and last night Alex ran into him <laughs> seeing Jurassic World. So I was like, hey, why don't you come join us and talk about Jurassic World? So, as we open up this discussion, before we actually get into the film. I want to talk about the trailer. So, just for a second. Because before I did this, I wanted to refresh myself on the film again. And I watched the trailer. There was a ton of stuff that was given away in that trailer, like from the final scenes of the movie, too. And it just drives me crazy how much information they're giving away in these trailers anymore. What do you think about the current state of the trailer? Well, I agree with you. I think a lot of movies are going that way. I think they're just trying to get people into the seats, and that's the most important thing to them. They don't care if they totally spoil the ending for us. <laughs> we don't know that going in, and then we're disappointed when we leave. Yeah, that could be. Alex, what do you think about trailers? 
I agree. It's about getting people in the seats. They got to show what they think they need to show to attract people. I'm I'm sh- I'm sure that you're referring to the images of him training the Raptors. Oh, uh, spoiler warning, by the way. Spoiler warning for this discussion. There's going to be complete spoilers. So go ahead. Huh? <laughs> As I was saying, it's it's probably like what you said. I'm sure Jurassic World. You're talking about how he was training the Raptors, um, and and stuff like that. And yeah, it's about. Getting people into the seats, that's what they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the film, I thought they did a good job with showing you the monster slowly, like the the big one that they created. Oh, yes. But it was a feature in the trailer. I mean, you, you saw it in the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad. Like, I didn't see the trailer that I watched this morning uh, before seeing the movie. I saw, like, the first trailer, and that's it. And I'm kind of glad that's all I saw. And it makes me think, like, going forward into Star Wars or to other movies that are coming out this year, like Spectre or something like that, I kind of want to go radio silent from here or not because I'm going to see the movie anyway. Yeah, I'm hyped about it. I want to see more about it as it comes out, but good Lord. I mean, the stuff that they show in this film trailer was just like... Well, between that and everything that everybody posts online, I mean, you pretty much see the movie or know what the movie's going to be about before you see it. Mm-hmm. So that's why I typically try to stay away from things like that. That's I'm justifying why I'm not on Twitter, but that's, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, there, there were moments in the movie that that I was surprised and, you know, that I was frightened and, you know, things like that. So that's why I enjoyed the movie. Yeah. So let's dive into the movie then, right? So you look at it, you go in, and I think that the first thing we see is the the egg, kind of the raptor, or not the raptor, the whatever you call it, egg. What was that dinosaur called? Indominus Rex? Indominus Rex, yep. Well, well, do you remember what the, the name was that they were going to call it, but they couldn't get kids to pronounce it, whatever it was? I... And, don't recall. I just remember them talking about the Tostitosaurus or whatever. Oh, the Doritosaurus, <laughs> Pepsisaurus, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of product placement in this movie. Um, There's a lot of humor in it, too, though, right? I mean, there was good placements on everything from, from what I could tell. It was really a spectacle of a movie. You think about it, right? You had a grand... All right, the score was amazing. Yes. The the film score by Michael, uh, I think it was Giacchino, I think it's his name. I may not be pronouncing that correctly, but... He did a film score for this movie. I listened to that. I got it Tuesday. I've been listening to it all week. And it was a really, really well-done film score, mixing John Williams and with the new stuff, even a little bit of the Jurassic World. I'm sorry, uh, The Lost World. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mix those up as we go. Through. So, Too many worlds. Too many worlds. Uh, it kind of mixes a lot of those same data that we've heard over the past few weeks with these movies. It did really well with that. But one of the best parts of the score and of the movie is when they find the the original Jurassic Park building. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness, yes. The piano score goes in there, then they kind of just see... The end scene, like, I immediately thought back to Jurassic Park, right? Yep. With that end scene with the T-Rex and that... And it's just like, this is... It was really cool to mm-hmm. see that direct connection into it. Obviously, we talked last week that this is a direct sequel to that film, not taking into context the last two movies, <laughs> Uh, for good reason, and I will allow it because those last two movies, yeah, whatever. Well, that's why when you said the Lost World, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, the, the Never better, happened. the better of the two worlds. Exactly, <laughs> the only world is Jurassic World. So, Jamie, tell me your thoughts overall on the movie. What do you think? I really did like it. Um, like you mentioned, the product placement, I think it actually took away from the immersion. I noticed a lot of Coke and Samsung. Mm, yeah. and, uh, I leaned over to him about 20 minutes into the movie, and I said, what do you think of the movie so far? And this was when they were just starting to walk around the actual park. Mm-hmm. And he was like, 
Lots of corporate placement. Uh-huh. <laughs> and th- I mean, they they poked they pointed fun at that honestly in the film too, which I thought was pretty good, pretty clever. But is it is it too much to the point, like you said, that it takes you it, out it of does, the movie? I think it does. Or does it make it more realistic because that's how theme parks actually are when you it's go true. to theme parks. You yeah, see but, those everywhere. But if you if you go to a theme park, not everybody has their cup pointed, so the logo is smacking you right in the face, and the <laughs> Samsung logos aren't plastered right at eye level in the middle of the background of the scene. Um, I mean, I don't know if you ever go to like a place that has like a bunch of monitors, but they're definitely not turned sideways, so that logo's right there <laughs> in the center frame. Mm, there have been some places. Best so yes, Buy for one. Taking it to a little bit of extreme, yes, I agree. It does give it a semblance of reality, though, that, that, that there is a lot of corporate placement at theme parks. That's how they advertise. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of placements. But what, what past that, obviously? Well, uh, I, I also felt that while it was a good movie, it may have... The, 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 uh, what was it, the Indominus Rex? Mm-hmm. I thought it was more of an alien or a kaiju type of villain rather than a dinosaur. Yeah. It seems like every time they thought they had a handle on it, it had a new ability or a mute. Well, it wasn't a mutation, but something that the uh, gene... New genetic Yeah, thing. new genetic variant. There you go. Yeah, because like, the first time you hear them talking about it, he's like, why is it white? You know, And that was you know because of the... The chameleon kind of, mm-hmm. it wasn't a chameleon, but whatever it did that could change. The tree frog, wasn't that the tree frog? No, yeah, that, that the was the thermal. The tree frog for the thermal. thermal. It was uh, puffer fish? Yeah, puffer fish. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it was cool how they were explaining it all in and going great. Now, what do you think about Dr. Wu going from the first movie where we, I, kinda, I liked him in the first I, movie, he was cool. I did, yeah. And now in this one, he's like a complete mad scientist by the end of this movie. <laughs> Like, it's Dr. Maru, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be interesting to go back in Jurassic World and, and see that. See him or in, in the original Jurassic Park and watch him because now that you have in that mind, you know, this is what happened and you know what he's capable of and, you know, what he's going to do. He seems so innocent right there, but you don't really know what's going on in his mind. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take that experience and instead of learning from it like everybody else when they almost died, he's... You know, going to bide his time over the next, you know, 20 years. And it's, I, I liked it a lot. I like B.D. Wong as an actor. I think that's his name. I think he's really good. Um, and I like the, I like that there was at least one actor from the original film. If it's a direct sequel, I mean, 20 years, I know, 20 years. But, um, you know, they, they had to have some kind of a, a connection. And, you know, him and then the original facility, it was just brilliant. Mm-hmm. That mixed with the original score kind of being in there, too. It all worked well. So continue on with your, your thoughts, Jamie. Well, I, I also found the uh, fact that it could communicate the, with the raptors just because of its gene, uh, having that raptor DNA in it, even though it had been raised in isolation, was interesting. Because mm-hmm. if you take a, a human and just throw them out on a desert island, you know, from... I guess we'd have to do a little older than infant, otherwise they, you know, wouldn't make it past a few weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, a few days actually, um, and brought them into a modern society. They would not know how to communicate with any other human in 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 the world. So I thought that was a little interesting. You're forgetting one key fact: they made dinosaurs, so anything is possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I get that where it's kind of 
a plot contrivance, really, where it can communicate with them. Because, like you said, if you go in the middle of an island somewhere where, where there's been nobody that's ever talked to any person and try to communicate with them, you can do base communications, like, you know, basic things, but verbally, you wouldn't be able to talk to them. But just don't overthink it too much. It's, it's a popcorn <laughs> movie. Um, and I did want to mention before I forget that this movie uh, is on track for, like, the third biggest opening this year. Last night it did 118, or I'm sorry, it did 18.5 million. So, I don't know about you guys in your theater, but I went to the IMAX 3D showing, which was at 7 o'clock, and that was pretty much a full show. Um, I, we had to sit on like the, the left side of the theater, so and it was 3D, so you kind of didn't get the full effect of the 3D during it. So, it still looked fine, but you had to sit on the, on the side. That was the, the fullest theater I've been to this year in Peoria. So... Up in Chicago, when I went and saw the Avengers, that was a full house for that IMAX showing up there. But when I went and saw Furious 7, which is probably the movie that I saw most recently there, there wasn't as many people. So good sign so far for this movie as far as uh, people going to see it goes. I think people are ready for another another dinosaur movie. A good one. Yeah, and it's been a lot of years in the making. Yeah. So you look at this film and you compare it to the other three that are out, right? Which, they're all part of this franchise now, so they all count as far as being movies that are made. Technically, in this world, there's only Jurassic Park and then this. But where would you, where would you put it? Like, your gut, your gut reaction, where would you rank it at? I mean, instantly, it's number two, at least. Because it, the, the concept of it is so close to the original Jurassic Park that... That's what we liked. Mm-hmm. We liked seeing the park, and then something happened in the park, and then they're on the you know on the loose. So the stories are pretty close. So instantly, it's at least number two. I mean, I still have to pay some kind of tribute to the original movie because that's the movie that started it all. So mm-hmm. I don't know if I can rank it above that movie. Yeah. But um, in this movie, at the end, when you see like the close up of the T Rex going on top of the command center, did you notice the scratches and the scars? Mm-hmm. I think that's the original T-Rex from the first film. Supposed to be. The one that fought the raptors. Because really? I thought I saw an article that said that they brought back the original T-Rex model for that, which had those other scratches from the raptor fights before. Oh, wow. So I think that, because it showed those other scratches, and I thought that, that that was what it was. That's a good call, because I was like, why? Because I noticed he was still bloody on his left side, but the right side he had the, sc- the scars and healing, and they showed that one uh, first, so I assumed some time had passed. Mm-hmm. But... That's a good point. I, I think you're right there. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of a cool little throwback, too, to the original movie. Yeah. Um, so with my thoughts on this movie, we'll get to you last, Alex. We'll save the best for last. Okay, thanks, yeah. Uh, first off, I just want to point out that in this movie we had three Marvel characters. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we had... Starkiller? No. Starkiller is Star Wars. Star-Lord. Star-Lord. <laughs> we had Star-Lord. Uh-huh. We had Vincent D'Onofrio as... Oh, yeah. Uh, Kingpin. Yeah. Wh- who was he playing? What was his name in this movie? I Engine Guy, whatever it is. Douchebag Engine Guy. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then you had uh, Owen, or Chris Pratt's character's friend, who plays Bishop in the uh, Days of Future Past. So, like, right there on the screen, you had those three Marvel characters together. But I thought it was great when uh, Star-Lord punched... Kingpin, you know, Starlord punching uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character. And, you know, at first, because we, we've watched the, the Daredevil TV show all here, I didn't, like, it looked facially like the Kingpin character, 
But man, he was a completely different actor in this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like he had a tan. <laughs> yeah. He had a mustache, and I mean, yeah, he was you know a big built guy. But unless you knew it was Kingpin, like you wouldn't necessarily know. No, I didn't know until you told me this morning. Really? Yeah, and I didn't want to seem like <laughs> you know like oh yeah yeah oh yeah it was totally him. But yeah. yeah, I didn't know until you told me this morning. I mean, that just goes to show how good of an actor he is. I mean, con- completely different characterization, right? The Kingpin measured in his acting and everything. This guy's a little bit more of a loose cannon type guy. What do you think? Did you did you see that that was Vincent D'Onofrio or did I it take you a little bit? I actually also did not notice until you pointed it out this see, morning. See, that guy's a great actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can blend in with whatever you wanted to uh, to put hair, in. beard, and a tan. I know that's all it takes. All it takes. I Man, if I had a tan and came back with a haircut, you guys wouldn't know what happened. You know, there was a point or two in the movie where I saw him walking around. I'm like, I think I know this guy. Or man, that guy's fat. You know? <laughs> hey, if you would have shown up like in a white suit or something with a well, what are those uh, neck things called? Oh, um, an ass? No, ascot. Yeah, yeah. Then you would have known. <laughs> but I mean, that would have been too much on the nose. I think of the uh, the villainous type character. But I thought it was kind of interesting that the good guy in this movie is the good guy in Guardians, and the bad guy in this movie is the bad guy in the Marvel universe. So kind of interesting. Yeah. But continuing on from the parallels, I really enjoyed the. The, the portrayal of the dinosaurs, right? And I'll, I'll go ahead and say this. Okay, I have a dog. I have two dogs. And whenever I see animals, I often think of my dogs and my pets. When you get to the point in the movie where the Indominus has escaped and they're tracking it down and they come across the, the dying Brachiosaurus, mm-hmm. my eyes welled up a little bit. I, I, I gotta say that because it was it was really well done. I mean, the, the death of the dinosaur, and then you look out of that field and you see all these other ones that were just killed. But, you know, they, they lingered on that scene, the music was just right, and the way that Chris Pratt was interacting with the dinosaur, it was it was emotional. It was well done. I mean, for for you to get, for me, to get that kind of reaction from something that I know does not exist is is incredible, really. Yeah. Did you, what? Am I alone in this feeling? Did you guys get anything with this? No, we're not heartless. We see an animal in pain and dying, and yeah, it strikes a, a nerve, at least with me, because I have, I have pets as well, and um, yeah, it was really well done. I, I think they did a good job on the facial expressions of the bronchiosaurus, to, so we you know, would know that it was in pain, and from its breathing patterns and everything like that, how it slowed up, and then he just stopped breathing. It was, it was an emotional scene. I agree. I felt the same way, but I, at the same time, I was expecting an old yeller moment when he pulled out the With the, the big little, gun? Well, I would call that a little gun. Yeah, I mean, well. These things are dinosaurs, mm-hmm. and you go after elephants with bigger guns than that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I kind of expected that too, but the way it happened, I think, worked more effectively for me, I think, at that scene. Because, I mean, you have hit that character there, right? And you have... I think that's the point where... I think her, Claire was her name? Yes. That's the point where Claire kind of understands why he's got more of a, an attachment to these guys because they are creatures. Mm-hmm. They're not just numbers like he told her earlier. And you really get the sense that her character is growing at that moment. Because when you first meet her, she's all about the business, right? She's all about, oh, I got to go to this meeting. I got to do this. You, you, you. From what's my name? Kind of just selling the stuff, getting the corporate sponsorships. She doesn't like uh, Chris Pratt's character, Owen. Because, you know, they had that thing together, it seems. She goes and finds him begrudgingly for the millionaire guy. 
And then you, you put them together in this, that's the first time you really see her start to care about other things. Yeah, the kids, she cares about them because they're related to her and she's going to be in trouble otherwise. I don't think it's a genuine care, though. Well, kind of, though. Point. I mean, at the beginning, there's like a complete emotional disconnect between her, and I know that she hasn't seen him in seven years mm-hmm. or however long it had been, it but seven. yeah, I'm good. Oh, man, seven. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's like a complete emotional disconnect. So, I mean, she had that same reaction towards the dinosaurs, creatures, more than them, just with their her own nephews. Mm-hmm. So... I think that was a, a nice progression along the way. Yeah. So that character progression, I think, throughout the whole movie worked really well for me. Uh, you had the character of Chris Pratt's Owen guy. I mean, he was just cool the whole time. I thought he was really well done. Yeah, he, he kind of had the the lines that told the audience what was happening. Like, because you need those lines for movies that may have kids that are, like, 11 or 10, don't really know what's going on. He has to tell them what's happening. Oh, my God. He's trying to escape. He's escaping. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, I mean, he, he kind of verbalizes what your inner monologue is when you watch this movie. You know, dinosaurs weren't enough. You had to go and do this and that. But I thought that he was really well done as far as the, um, the portrayal of that character goes. And, you know, when he was training those raptors, like, when he went in the cage... Okay, to save that guy. That was actually pretty intense, Very honestly. Because you, you, you know nothing's going to happen to Chris Pratt's character, but the other guy was in there, yeah. so you didn't know. But it was actually really cool to see him interacting with those raptors at that point, and then, like, shut the gate, trust me, and then he just rolls out and they're lunging at him. I mean, it was really cool to see how that, how that interplayed there. Yeah, so. and it proved to Kingpin that they're not tameable. Yeah. And yet he didn't pick up on that lesson. Nope. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, he, he was there watching the whole time, and then after it happened, he just, like, walked away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, uh, is, this is someone that has been training them from their hatch hatching day, and they still wanted to kill him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he thought this would somehow work. And to be fair, in the end, it ended up saving them their lives, kind of. I mean, while they not, they're not tameable there was some sort of loyalty and respect mm-hmm. from the Raptors to uh, Chris Pratt, mm-hmm. Owen Grady. So with that, you get to the end there. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens. And really, this movie, you go into it, you know what's going to happen. The monster's going to escape. You just don't know how. And then that was actually really really cool for that monster to, I keep calling it monster, for the dinosaur, which is a monster, I guess. It's a creature, Nathan. The creature, whatever. Kaiju. <laughs> Kaiju. <laughs> For that to, you know, hide from the thermal imaging. Which, okay. Yeah, you hide from the thermal imaging, but seriously, you don't have cameras, like, pointed everywhere around inside the paddock to sign, oh, he's just sitting right there. You op- you let guys in for the first thing. Why are you letting them in? To look at the, to look at the scratches, which they could see out the window. <laughs> Yeah, you'd, you'd think they'd use the food hook to, like, at least, like, kind of do a f- Passover. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, if they did that, then the dinosaur would try to... Well, they they, they brought out the food, remember? Yeah, and but then they, they dropped out. it. Yeah, that's true. They, then they might think that the dinosaur would think, oh, it's feeding time, time to get these guys. My only positive relationship was with that crane, remember? Mm-hmm. So, it was interesting to that it escaped in that way, which was really cool to see the dinosaur think like that. Um, obviously, because it's a raptor, you would assume that that's why it's it's thinking, because it has the raptor DNA in it, which is the smartest of them, I guess, of the dinosaurs. Is that what we're supposed to believe in this situation? As far as, like, coordinating and communication, yeah, between 
between between the, Raptors. Yeah, okay. I would. Yeah, definitely. But I think I think if we take logic out of the scene, where obviously yes, there would be cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. They would never open the gate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think the only purpose of the scene was just to show how smart the dinosaur was. Mm-hmm. And regardless of how he actually would have escaped, if he would have escaped, if if we throw logic out the window, the point is it's a smart dinosaur. It escaped. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the the smart dinosaur aspect, right? When he gets to the, the what was it, the aviary? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that what they call that? The world the giant, pterodactyls yeah, were? Yeah. yeah. So he gets in there to escape from the helicopter. And then he's not really in there to to eat those pterodactyls or those those birds. He actually wants them to get out and then f- do his bidding, right? Just It's kind of like in what I, what I thought of was... Uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, with Sean Connery getting all the all the birds up and then flying into the airplane. So you let out all these guys. You you roar. They escape. They run away. They're gonna obviously do something to the helicopter because it's it's up there circling around and the guy that's flying it doesn't know how to fly anyway. Yeah. So I thought that was really smart on the dinosaurs' part. I, I want to say it's more of an accident, because the dinosaur didn't know what was in there. True, but once he saw what was in there... Would he would he have just been going to the aviary, though, because he was picking up the thermal sensors from all the birds that I, are in that area, I and suppose, that's why he I went there? that's a possibility. I thought he was just trying to run from the chain gun. Well, I'm sure he was. <laughs> that was a huge chain gun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take. I didn't have that thought when I, when I saw it, that, that he... That the Indominus Rex might have gone there on purpose, to or look. at least, because he he wasn't trying to really eat him. He was chomping at him a little bit. But he was if he wanted to eat one, he would have, but he was just yelling at them pretty much to get them stirred up to fly out. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's take it how you will. I mean, everybody has their own interpretation because oh, yeah. it, it's just an unspoken scene. I think that because of the smartness of the the guy, not guy, dinosaur. It ran in there and stirred up the commotion. And you see how out. it goes from an it or an alien type thing to now it's a guy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now it's a person. You know Bob. He's he's really a great guy. Bob the Indominus Rex. <laughs> Indominus Bob. So, and let's talk about that millionaire character for us, billionaire guy, um, Manrati, Maserati, Maserati. Yeah. Something. Like Something that. like that. It sounds like Maserati, but it was Maserati. I think Danafio's character called him Maserati. Maserati. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he was actually a kind of an interesting character. Just your typical aloof billionaire kind of guy. But he had kind of a moral center, it seems, but he really didn't. He was wanting to, to go back on what he told the guys to do because he was having that conversation with Wu, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, who gave you authorization to do this? Like, you. You said, make it bigger, scarier, more intense, whatever it is. Just do it. And so I did. So, I don't know, that his character, though, I wasn't, I, I figured he was going to die as soon as he, as soon as him and two army guys get in a helicopter, I'm like, yep, he's gone. Yeah, yeah. he just wanted Easily. to look awesome, uh-huh. and that that was definitely his undoing. Uh-huh. And, like, seriously, there's only one person who can fly a helicopter on this island? No, he had the other guy, but he didn't want to wait for him. He was like, oh, he's stuck in the crowd. Let's okay, there's wait. only two guys that can fly a helicopter on this island? I mean, you're on an island. You should have, like, a crew, a flight crew that yeah. does stuff. They should have more than one helicopter. Yeah, too. you'd think so, and to get around. 50% of them are the uh, the owner of the whole park. Uh-huh. Yeah, and he might not even be there. So I guess they've got one guy. If he's sick, no flights today. Uh-huh. And, you know, before that, and maybe he wasn't aware of this, but, you know, when that the whole engine crew came... 
with their helicopters. They, I think they're on the way though after he crashed. I think that that's when you saw that first scene. But yeah, I don't know. And let's talk about this this engine crew, right? So, and I I didn't pick up on engine at all, honestly, in the first Jurassic Park movie. I thought it was all Hammond Industries or something like that. And then in the second movie, you get the engine team that comes in there. And then it's all engine on the third movie. And now this one, engine is like this military force. I mean, who, what is engine? <laughs> I don't know, because the the guy that owns Jurassic World, Mizrani, he's part of a company called the Mizrani Corporation. Mm-hmm. They own the park, they own the world, you know, whatever. I don't know if they own the island. Maybe I don't know. I, I honestly don't know who Engine is or what they do. Like, I, yeah. Why does this one guy flash his badge on Engine? Who are they, you know? Because, like, this guy that owns it, completely different corporation. He, well, they, they were having people sponsor dinosaurs, so I'm assuming he, they might be one of the bigger sponsors, so they were given kind of a VIP badge, and that's why they were designing these uh, dinosaurs with the ulterior motive as military assets. Yeah, as, and as that whole... kind of a, mm. a dumb idea as yeah, that is. Yeah. Or maybe they're the medical force behind the, the genetic creation of the dinosaurs. Well, because they had that deal with Dr. Wu, which, by the way, at the end of this movie, they set up for a sequel. Because mm-hmm. Dr. Wu gets out there with all the, the stuff that they took on that one helicopter. Yeah, all the embryos, yep. Yep. So, I mean, it'll take years to grow those things, assuming. Well, unless... no, they, they said they gave them the, um, oh, the, the puffer fish yeah. for, like, an accelerated growth cycle. That's so true. they could just stick them in a microwave and it'd be done in 15 minutes. <laughs> it's like, you know, the add water to this and it grows type thing. It's, it's one of those. Just add a little water. So, yeah. So, I don't know who this I engine really is. Maybe there's a novelization or something that tells me, or hopefully there's a Wikipedia entry that I can look at and find out. But they just come out of nowhere with these highly militarized guys. They still can't do anything. The only thing that they do is shoot down the birds, like, individually. Was that engine, or was that the park security? I think that was the park security. So what did these guys do? I don't know, but when they drove ashore, they drove a marauder. And that's, like, the (laughs) most bad... The, the the toughest civilian vehicle that you can actually buy. Uh-huh. And I was looking forward to seeing that thing getting smashed. <laughs> that would have been great. But, I mean, I'm trying to think back. Did these guys do anything to, to stop anybody? And I don't think they did. I mean, they were hunting with the raptors. So they all, the raptors killed all of them. Mm-hmm. And then... Well, I'm not sure that was them, even. That was still maybe park park staff, because they were sitting back in the command center. They had oh, unpacked all in there. Mm-hmm. Is that what they were doing? <laughs> they went there to go over take over the command center? Well, they to some extent, I think they wanted this to happen. Well, yeah, they did. So you get, you get that little line dropped, right? It's yeah. like, you wanted this to happen. You wanted these raptors to have this field test. Yeah, and on this that's, that's why when um, Kingpin made the phone call, he said, this we may have a, a perfect opportunity. I, I keep wanting him to just, like... Voice it as Kingpin. Yeah. <laughs> we have an opportunity. I will save this. <laughs> I will save this world. <laughs> I love this world. No. Um, so, I just think that it's kind of a contrivance that engine was brought in there. And that I, I'm pretty sure that that militarized crew was the engine guys because they had all live fire ammunition. And they were like decked out a little bit differently than the other guys. So I think that that's those uh, was the engine guys. Yeah. So just a quick side note, Engine is a research company set up by John Hammond, 
that their sole purpose is to clone creatures of extinct life. So, so they're a highly militarized crew that so comes in and takes over everything. Obviously, they have tanks. <laughs> That's right. So is it, that just the division that, that Wu was working for was InGen? Originally, like, in the original Jurassic Park, yes. I think it was just a medical company. And then as, they, as the incident originally in Jurassic Park happened, I mean, if we want to talk about the lost world, it seems like they've moved into the area of... Containment? or Containment, yeah. military containment. I don't know. And it seems like 20 years later... They're split between a genetics, you know, still manufacturing these dinosaurs and then still having this military division to contain them or something like that. But why were these people not, why, why was all this equipment not already on the island to begin with? They, they showed yeah. the tanks coming in on the, on the. the you, if, you had a bunker in like the farthest corner of the island, right? With all these guys, you should just put all your stuff there. Yeah. Have this location that they can go to that's protected. Mm-hmm. You got staff that's always there that switch out, you know, every week or whatever, but. Yeah, I mean, when you have 20,000 civilians, you know, visiting this place, and you want to contain stuff, you need the fastest reaction you can get on there. You need guys on the island already. I mean, as far as we know, Kingpin's the only guy that's on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's all, that's all we're... Yeah, and then you see all the military comes in, and, but, and then another point is, like, why do they keep the dangerous dinosaurs, especially the one that they genetically created, why do they keep it so close to the park? Well, it well, wasn't. They kept it in that restricted area. They, they kept area. it in the restricted area, but, I mean, like, if you look at the island in the pictures, it, they could have was, kept it on the other side of the it was island. almost on the other side of the island on the picture. Like, there was, like, the like map. Half, yeah, half and it was of the like island was two-thirds Was the, the park really the that side. big? I, I, remember, I remember thinking when I saw it that they were showing the map of just the park on the island. The extent of the park, but well, it wasn't the extent of the whole island itself. No, it was the extent of the whole island. Was it? There was mm-hmm. like a line kind of like maybe a little bit over halfway up, and everything on there was restricted. And then up in kind of like the northwest corner, not mm-hmm. quite all the way up there, was where the pen was. And then after it had gotten out and ripped out his transmitter, it was still like four miles away from the nearest uh, attraction. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just seems like from when it broke containment, it got to the park really quick like quicker than the military could respond to intercept mm-hmm. i don't know seems like poor planning like you said when you have twenty thousand civilians yeah I, something happens that's all on them mm-hmm. i guess you're right he had to have moved faster than a cheetah to be able to cover all that ground and kill every dinosaur on the way and maybe well, that a rap- size the yeah. speed of the raptor i mean he probably has a f- quick speed to it because what what they say in Jurassic Park that they clocked the raptors at like 70 miles an hour or 60? Well, they made a comment in even Jurassic World. He said 40, 50 miles an hour at best for the, right? Am I am I just... And yet, all these people were out running this guy. That's a problem for me, too. Mm-hmm. Like, the kids were out running it on foot. And I don't know how many times the Chris Pratt's character outran it, but... Yeah. Well, we don't know where that sensor he ripped out was. Maybe it was in his leg and it hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I think they said that that was like in the spine or something like that. Something on the back, maybe? So all the more point. How did he get from when he broke containment to the park that fast? <laughs> or before they could intercept? It mm-hmm. just seems a little illogical. But um, well, makes for good action. I, I also think that um, the sensor that he ripped out, they said, they, they explained, oh, he remembered where they injected it, but they had mentioned just a little bit before, oh, if he gets too close, it'll zap, zap him. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been a much better explanation than, oh, he remembered it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like, oh, it would have zapped him because he got this close, so he probably just ripped it out. I mean, that would have made worse. Yeah, but remembering it 
adds to the intelligence of the creature, right? See, we're back to a creature now. True, um, and, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still a creature, right? And it grew up in captivity, and like they said, the only positive reinforcement that it had was from the, the little crane that feeds it with meat, right? Mm-hmm. So initially, when he comes face-to-face with his little raptor counterparts, why is his first instinct not to kill them? Sure, they might have been able to communicate with them. Because yeah, he's killed everything else up to this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. It should have just been a ravaged beast. It shouldn't have. It shouldn't have mattered that. Oh, even if I can sense that they have some, you know, connection with my DNA or whatever. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't know enough about how animals function in the wild. Oh, you but, should know the thing. <laughs> but I don't. I don't know if like if a lion comes upon a tiger, or something similar to a lion and a tiger are two different. Hey, man, things. we're both cats. Yeah. Hey, hey, felines. <laughs> what's up, man? Well, uh, I don't think that's a great example because have you ever seen two strange cats get together? It doesn't end well. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, it's hard to say with yeah. this. You know, the, this is a genetically modified, super smart creature. So. It knows, right? It knows what's going on. So, Alex, talk about what you thought about this movie now. All right, so I was concerned. My concern about the movie, I was stoked to see it, but my concern about the movie was that the story was going to be exactly the same thing as Jurassic Park just 20 years later. And it kind of was, honestly. Except the park had been opened and the visitors and stuff. It was. The only thing, the only difference is, I think, we got to see more of it actually being a theme park. Because mm-hmm. I mean, the original Jurassic Park was just like an in-concept design. You know, there were just people there that were either working there or checking the place out to, you know, invest in it or whatever. This was an actually full-fledged theme park, open to the public. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a cool twist. The genetically modified, um, you know, dinosaur was a cool twist. There were lots of different twists. Um, and I think my biggest thing through the first three Jurassic Parks, I always said it, I want and I need more raptors. They're the best. They're the scariest dinosaurs. I would fear them more than I would fear the T-Rex if I came face-to-face with any dinosaur. I got more raptors in this movie. Mm-hmm. I loved it. And they were on both sides. And they and, and they were trained. And, it, yeah, I mean, Probably the scariest raptor scene was in the Lost World, right? When they're running through the hot grass. I mean, that was... See, all the raptors... So we kind of got a little bit of that when they were in the woods. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the raptors turn and you see them Mm -hmm. all turn and I just lost it. Yeah. And it was the best. And then they just start taking them out one by one. Um, So I got more raptors. I was happy with that. (laughs) I I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't find that the story repeated itself too much. The base story is pretty much the same thing Mm -hmm. but they kept it interesting the whole time and like you said there were good funny moments in there right obviously you know chris pratt i was surprised by bryce dallas howard she was funny Mm -hmm. she was good she's a good actress Mm -hmm. i mean i've only seen her in a couple m night Shyamalan movies but she's a good actress i so i was pleasantly surprised there were however a few moments that i thought the comedic relief was I don't want to say forced, but it kind of tore away from the intenseness of the scene. Like when she's driving the van and her nephews are in the back. The door is open. Mm-hmm. Everybody should be freaking out that they're lucky to be alive and that the raptors are coming. But they're cracking jokes. Like, don't tell mom. 
or I'm not, you know, we, I can't wait to tell mom. Mm-hmm. It just, it, it kind of broke the intenseness of the, you know, the scene that was going on right there. Mm-hmm. I laughed, but I wasn't as frightened as I should have been for, you know, Raptor chasing the back of a, an open uh, a vehicle with an open door. So, um, but I did appreciate the comedic parts of it. I laughed. It was good. Jamie and I laughed. It was fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing movie. The score, everything, just all the actors. It was it was brilliant. And after I left, I wanted to turn right back around and go see it again. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to my wife too afterwards, and I was like, man, that was that was a good movie, and she liked it too. And she doesn't she doesn't like tense movies a lot. And mm-hmm. this wasn't as tense, I don't think, as some other movies that like in the series may have been, like with the Jurassic World, with the scene with. Uh, not Jurassic World, The Lost World, the scene with the the raptors. (laughs) (laughs) Or, you know, with the kids in the kitchen and the raptors in the first one. That was intense. Yeah. They weren't cracking any jokes then, were they? No. I was was just just a hard scene. (laughs) So, we both like this movie, and I actually really want to go see it again in Mm -hmm. 2D. Like I said, I saw it in 3D, but I want to see it in 2D this weekend at some point, but... Yeah, we need to draw our comparisons, 2D versus 3D, because yeah. I saw it in 2D, you saw it in 3D. And, I mean, I'm sure you could tell there were points where, like, when the raptor lunged into the back of the van, the raptor was lunging out at you on the screen. There oh, were other yeah. things. When the when the, the water beast came up and got oh, the stuff, yeah. those were both scenes that were blatantly 3D scenes, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so towards the end of this movie, a couple things happened that I liked, but at the same time, it was just, like, complete contrivance is that, A, Claire goes and gets the T-Rex. I love that scene. I love that. I was waiting for the T-Rex to come in and fight this thing, honestly. I was waiting for that to happen, but for her to go get it with a flare and outrun the T-Rex, yep. which well, can go 35 miles an hour. since it was, like, right in front of her, it could have, uh-huh. like, leaned down and just picked her up right there. I uh-huh. mean, it did it in the first movie from she that. She could have started running right when it was up there, and it could have just bent over yeah. and mm-hmm. picked her up in mm-hmm. its mouth. So there was that, which I didn't care for, but it worked for me because we got the T-Rex involved in the fight, which yes. when this scene happens, when you have the, the T-Rex and the raptors all fighting this thing together, that was amazing. That was probably the best monster fight I've seen in years. A T-Rex and a raptor a tag team in a Indominus Rex? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And then, you know, they, they draw it to the, to the edge of this water, right? And then who comes up, just grabs yep. him, takes him under and eats him. And I had to quote Star Wars at that point. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> I had to say, there's always a bigger always fish. Always a bigger fish. <laughs> so, it, really well done fight at the end. Um, and we like, else crack up when the raptor came running, like like in the hero to save the day. It's only one little raptor and these two huge monster dinosaurs. I figured it would because, you know, it was thrown away and it was just like knocked out kind of. It wasn't dead. The other ones were clearly... Dead. They blew up. Yeah. Well, one blew up, one got, like, chomped. And one, one thrown got... Thrown into the fire. Yeah, thrown into some fire pit or something. Uh, was... Which one was she the... Was she the one that got thrown in the fire or the one that got thrown into the tree or building or whatever? Uh, the blue? Blue that came back and saved the day? Yeah. She was just thrown at a building mm-hmm. and then, like, got knocked out. And then the other ones... One was blown up by a bazooka. <laughs> one was thrown into a building and then the, the fire thing. Yeah. And then one, I think, got eaten, right? He like she, it, it like really it. really crunched down on it and then like threw it away. Okay, so yeah. And so, then did you feel bad after the fight was over and she was all alone? Yeah. I don't. I don't quite understand that. Why did? Yeah. So there's that. But so she looked at 
Chris Pratt's character. Like, so Chris Pratt's the alpha of the two. Mm-hmm. And he, like, you know, shook his head no at Don't it. even think about it. And so at that point, she just goes away. Right. I didn't quite get what happened there in the, that interchange. Was she going to come and walk around with them the rest of the day? Or no, she was, was going to turn, I think, to attack them. The T-Rex or them? No, them. After the fight was over, yeah. they looked at the T-Rex. The T-Rex walked away mm-hmm. because he recognized that the raptor helped him out mm-hmm. when he was about to die. Right? And then the raptor turns because she still sees the, the humans there. And Chris Pratt steps up. He's trying to be the alpha here. Mm-hmm. She turns like, I thought that she was going to try to go for them. Mm-hmm. And he basically just stands there as the alpha and he says, don't even think about it. Yeah. And she thinks about it for a second and then she just walks away. Yeah. So, now I do have to say this, right? We assume that the Indominus Rex is dead. Oh my god. <laughs> So it's so dead. dead. But, of being blown got, up by a bazooka, gone. full of these things. They don't need to bring that one <laughs> But back. I'm just saying, we don't know that it's dead. It could be fighting underwater for all... There could be... The, the is, pufferfish was used... It has gills, maybe. Who knows? And it's fighting this other creature. Yeah, but that other thing really got... We never it. saw a body. Are you, are you wanting the Indominus Rex to make another appearance? Because they still have the genetic markups of what well, they okay, did no, to they've make got it. The embryos. They They're have just, everything. Like I said, yeah, stick them exactly. in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> well, and there was at one point where it showed this this dinosaur on a on the the screen. He's like, "That's not a real dinosaur." He's like, "Oh, it will be." What dinosaur was that? I mean, that well, obviously is another one. Well, that they were talking up. there at the end about making the same thing, but like raptor sized. Oh yeah, smaller. So yep. that's probably what the next one's going to be: is a bunch of raptor sized Indominus Rexes. Yeah, and they're going to release them in the city. <laughs> yeah, in San Diego. They're going to try to use them in some kind of warfare. And it's going to backfire. Well, and then Chris Pratt's a SEAL, so they're going to call him in to go help fight these guys because and he's a SEAL. And they'll need a consultant, so Dr. Dr. Grant? Dr. Grant comes in. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Grant? No, the, because of the chaos, they're, they're going to bring in Dr. Malcolm chaos. Oh, yeah. But but Dr. Grant will protest, and he'll say, no force <laughs> on heaven and earth could get me to consult for you. And then five minutes later, he's in there consulting. <laughs> he'll be there on the island with him. <laughs> It's like, we're going to pay for your dig. Why is he still digging for one? No, he'll, he'll be like on the phone consulting like a mile away. Because that's, that's the same thing, right? Well, Just you know, flying over the island yeah. is okay. <laughs> Just being on the phone to consult is okay. I don't know how I got into this situation again. <laughs> but it's okay. I was only right around the corner. Yeah. Uh, a couple other things just to bring out. You know, we're winding down here. So we didn't get the Dilophosaurus, mm-hmm. truly. But I loved that scene when they walked through and then the, the holographic Dilophosaurus comes <laughs> yes. up there and that, that raptor's, like, going to fight it. That was awesome. Yeah. That was great. I was like, that works really well. And I think it was completely unintentional that that hologram popped up, right? Well, well I saw they press slapped a button. against it. It, oh, yeah. they? it may have been deliberate or it may have just been that they were, like, you know, trying to push off of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that worked out really well for me. I thought that was a cool little piece that came up there. Um, and then... So these the the dinosaurs that were flying the pterodactyls mm-hmm. and what were the other dinosaurs? The ones that had like mini like were they real? Like, were those supposed to be real yeah, dinosaurs? They looked like they had little Honestly, raptor heads remember. on them. Yeah, because they yeah they had those little the, like dinosaur looking heads like a, a raptor or T Rex looking head with like little arms and then a tail <laughs> with a little thing on the back like a mace. And I was like. I have never seen these before in any sort of book or anything. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're newly I, discovered. I'm thinking they might have just been a made-up dinosaur. I could be wrong, because I doubt there would be any evolutionary reason for a club tail on a flying <laughs> dinosaur. Yeah. But I also, speaking of the tail, I loved that scene when, I forget that dinosaur, what it's called, that oh, was the, fighting. 
Was it the Ankylosaurus? No. Whatever it is that has the mace tail. Yeah. Um, when it was fighting the Indominus Rex. That was an amazing scene. Obviously, you knew it wasn't going to win because, you it's know. the villain. Look at yeah. it. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, perfect use of White has the tail and the armor. It was, it was a great battle in showing you why that dinosaur naturally existed to fight, you know, like a T-Rex or something mm-hmm. like that. Because it could win against a T-Rex. Knock a T Rex out. Well, you saw like when he like tried to like straddle or like you know grab over it. Like and he it got couldn't hurt do anything. over the mm-hmm. over the spikes along its edge, mm-hmm. and so then he, he had tried to flip them, over. flip them over. Which I mean, a T Rex couldn't do that because of the arms a T Rex has. Mm-hmm. But this one, because it had the longer ones, could. But yeah, I mean, I thought it was really cool. And then my wife and I both kind of chuckled and liked the the petting zoo thing. Oh, oh the little because it, it reminded me uh, originally in Jurassic Park. The two kids were supposed to save the day riding a stegosaurus. It reminded me of that. Did you read the book Jurassic Park? No, I didn't. Okay. In in the movie, they were supposed to have the two kids come in and save the day at the end of the movie with a stegosaurus. They used the raptors instead, which I think you like better, Alex. Yes, more raptors. <laughs> um, but it reminded me of that because it had the kids riding the baby stegosaurus. And so I was like, <laughs> it's oh hilarious. Gosh. They had the petting zoo with the little the bronchiosaurus. That were, like, one that got the hug from the kid and everything. Overall opinion of this movie, I like it. I will buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I will see it again in theaters as long as I have the time. I fully intend to see it again. Maybe not this week. Hopefully Saturday. Who knows? But I fully enjoyed it. Yeah. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, definitely. Like, when you're watching a movie like this, you're thinking, I, at least me, I'm thinking to myself, this is an instant classic. This is an instant, like a new age classic. You know, that one, like, ten years from now... It's gonna be. It's gonna be watched. Fifteen years from now, it's gonna be watched. You know, it's just. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. They did a really good job all the way around. Jamie, I agree with you there. I. Th- I think it. It does hold up. I think it will hold up well, and I will probably buy it when it comes out on Blu-ray as well. Um, yeah, I, I. I'd see it again. Now, I do have to say, uh, for anyone listening that hasn't seen it yet, or for you guys who are well, planning to buy we it. We ruined it for them. Well, yeah. If you're listening to this, hopefully you've already seen it. But sometimes people listen to stuff to see if they want to see it. You know, 15 bucks to go see a movie is kind of pricey, especially if you have a family to take with you, or if you have, you know, a wife. I mean, 30 bucks to go see a movie with just two people, all right? Just for the tickets alone. Um, so... It's 15 bucks just for the couple things of candy I got last night. <laughs> I'm I'm being serious. I know. It was literally two things, like yeah. two boxes. Two boxes of candy and a soda is fourteen fifty. That's that's crazy. So I mean, people will sometimes listen to these kind of things to see if it's worth their time and money to go to the theater to see these movies. I definitely think this is a theater movie. I agree. See mm-hmm. it in the you theater. Have to it's, see it in theaters. It's excellent, right? Yep. Um, and part of the reason why I really want to see it in IMAX is the sound. I mean, Jurassic Park has always been known for the sound. And this one didn't let down. I mean, it sounded phenomenal with the dinosaurs yelling, all the explosions and everything else that happened. Uh, really good. And It was really well placed, too. Yeah. The timing of uh, the intense the, moments mm-hmm. and, like, when they were revealing the park slowly. Yeah. It was just great. And the pacing overall in this movie was, like, two hours and four minutes. Didn't feel like that. No. It felt quick. Felt like an hour and a half movie. Mm-hmm. So, but for those that hadn't seen it and for you who might be buying it, um, you can actually go to Amazon right now, and for 30 bucks, you can get the Blu-ray digital copy DVD of Jurassic World, um, the download for Jurassic Park, and a $15 off to go see the movie in the theaters wow. for 30 bucks. Hmm. So that's it's it's using Fandango cash. So as long as it's a, a Fandango theater, you're fine. 
But I think that that's a really good deal because you have Jurassic Park, which you should see before you see this movie if you haven't seen it. Then you have the ticket to go see this movie, and then you get this when it comes out uh, later, probably this year, maybe early next. So definitely recommend this movie. Mm-hmm. So as we conclude our time here this week, are you on Twitter, Jamie? No, I'm not. Hmm. <laughs> if you were to join Twitter, what would your username be? Yeah, probably Gustava. Say what now? <laughs> <laughs> Grush, can, Grush Deva. Can can you spell that? G U R U S H D E V A. I'm pretty sure that's probably not taken. So uh, I think. Oh, it will be now. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm gonna try to convince Jamie to sign up for Twitter using Grush Deva, uh, so you can follow him and uh, all his antics there. Alex, you're on Twitter. Yes, at D O U E one H one. And I am on at Sith Nightmare, S-I-T-H-K-N-I-G-H-T-M-A-R-E. The show, I know. The show is on at Entertaining Pod, and you can also email us. That's entertaining at gmail.com. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can catch us in all those outlets, as well as review us in those places, so that way uh, we get some more eyes on the podcast. Next week, I haven't quite decided what the film is going to be, or the game, or the subject. It may be a one-off, but the next series that we're going to be moving into is something I'm very excited about, honestly. And I saw a trailer for uh, when I saw this movie. The Mission Impossible series, mm-hmm. starting with the Tom Cruise movies. Well, they're all Tom Cruise movies. So I think it was like a 96 Tom Cruise movie. Uh, that'll be in two weeks. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Question for the listeners. Now, it's not about movies. It's, it's just a poll this time. Is... Do you like the main discussions in the second half or in the first half of the episode? Because some people may like to get the main discussion out of the way and then stop listening and then go whatever. They don't want the the gaming discussion or whatever we talk about. So what do you like? Do you like the main discussion in the second half or in the first half? Let us know. Uh, Send us a tweet or an email and we'll see what you got. So that'll do it for us this week. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Jamie. And we hope that you have been entertained.